Hi, everybody. Caught me. This is, this was, that was our signal not to talk while the intro is going on, or we're starting to record. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 208 of the All Dolphins podcast. He is Omar. I am Pupar. It is Friday, January. 26th. Don't state it. People can watch this any specific day, and they don't need to know what day it is. It's the weekend, baby. And it's too late now, right? It's the weekend of January 26, 2024. Is that better? Yeah, let's rock with it's that. It's conference championship weekend, which unfortunately, you're not in. Year, as every year since 1992, does not include the Miami Dolphins. You're so disrespectful. Why you had to bring up old stuff? Again, where's the lie? Because it would be nice if the Dolphins actually got involved in one of those games again at some point. Would it not? Be healthy at the end of the season. Is that all it is going to take? There you yes. go, folks. You got the answer. All it takes to be to a, to a such a worse quarterback than Jared Goff. Oh, but he's not. And, and he's Brock Purdy. He's Brock Purdy senior, not junior. Oh, I think, yeah. I think he's on a par with Brock Purdy, except that San Francisco roster is a lot better than the Dolphins roster. Correct. Well, we digress. Uh, we did not do a history lesson. And I know some of you are very happy. I think most of you like those history lessons based on the comments. Uh, the last two episodes, because we did the when pod when Dolphin podcasts unite or collide, whatever you want to say it, for episode 206. And we did a live show on episode 207. So very quickly, we'll do 2006, 2007, 2008. Today's episode 2006. The highlight was the big decision of the offseason. Do we sign Drew Brees as a free agent? Do we trade a second round pick for Dante Culpepper? Eh, Dolphins made the wrong decision. Has then GM Randy Mueller explained, however, the team physician who red flagged Drew Brees' shoulder was affiliated in some way, shape, or form with owner Wayne Heisinga. And this, this dude, this is not me saying this. It's, I know. You're going through history, but you're bringing up this old stuff that's just like a scab on, on this franchise. That's part of the history. What else? That's what matters. Yeah, we make, bad, we make bad decisions when it comes to quarterback time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Always. Anyway, so as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, this he was red flagged by a doctor who was affiliated with Wayne Heisinger. Therefore, Dolphins decide they had no choice but obviously to go with his recommendation. Let's go get the bum leg down, take Culpepper. Yes, who lasted four games. Um, then I work 2007. And, and, and in fairness, I supported the Culpepper decision, as in most of this fan base, who in hindsight, after Drew Brees turns into a Hall of Fame quarterback, said, God, we really screwed that up. But no, well, most of at that time, most of the fan base wanted Culpepper. Let's not have selective memory. Who, mind you, was coming off a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. With uh, a bum knee. With a bum knee. Anyway, so we'll move on to 2007. That was the first year, your first year on the beat. One in 15. Doing you know uh, what I remember about 2007? Joey Porter undressing Cam Cameron on the team plane. It was not that was a team meeting room. Was it? I, oh, there was. I know there was. I know they were sitting on a team plane, but I know. Yeah, I know there was. There was a dressing down by Joey Porter. Yeah, um, that was the year that I learned. Uh, Cam Cameron might be the worst coach that I've ever covered in my life, but understand I've covered some legends as coaches. 
um, which includes Larry Coker. And y'all going to put some respect on his name, considering no University of Miami football coach will ever come close to his record. Um, I said it. I said it. I don't take it back. 60 and 15. They'll never touch it again. Um, the, the Hurricanes cried about back-to-back Peach Bowls and ran them out of town for back-to-back Peach Bowls and haven't touched it since in, what, 20 years? What was Jimmy Johnson's record? Uh, he, Coker has the all-time University of Miami winning record. Continue what you were saying. I'll go ahead and look at Okay. Up. Anyway, um, I never knew incompetence till I met Joe Philbin. No, and Sam Cameron. Cam, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oops, my bad. Floridian slip. Don't stop disappearing on me, Poopard. You said Floridian slip. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it was Cam Cameron in 2007. Yeah, yeah, Cam because Cameron. Again, because the Dolphins didn't want to hire Mike Tomlin, who was one oh, of Oh, really? Boy, you're just bringing up all kinds of scabs on this franchise's history, huh? You just, you you're just picking at every single scab. What do you want, a rose-colored? You want a rose-colored history lesson, or are we, are we being real? Yes, they didn't want to go at Mike Tomlin. They Cam Cameron did a poor interview the first time, and they said because they wanted to put a circle into a square peg, they said, you know what, let's meet with him a second time because he's this guru offensive coordinator who's got former head coaching experience, even though he sucked at Indiana. And you know what, we'd rather do that than do the African-American hip-hop coach. That too really hip, impressed us. Too hip hop was that was too hip hop. That really impressed us. That coach turned out to be Mike Tomlin, um, and he turned out to be a legendary Hall of Fame coach who's still with the Pittsburgh Steelers, has won a championship. Yeah, this franchise just makes bad decision after bad decision. I've been here for most of them uh, in the last. Okay, but the final chapter of our history lesson is one that's positive, and that's the 2008 season when the Dolphins hired Bill Parcells to oversee the operation, brought in Tony Sperano, who was an offensive line coach from the Dallas Cowboys to serve as head coach, and the Dolphins got themselves some good, solid veterans all over the place. Hey, 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 hey. Don't disrespect Jeff Island. When Bill Parcells came in, it was the trifecta. You don't mention Bill Parcells. And Tony Sperano, without mentioning Jeff Ireland, too. Okay? Don't, don't be disrespectful. Who was most responsible for the player acquisition? Who had a greater influence on the franchise during that run? Bill of, Parcells. Of all three. Of all three. Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells. Ireland lasted longer. And, and that, that's not what you ask. You ask who had the biggest influence. Okay. Not, and, and not even close. And, in fact, I would say that if it wasn't for Bill Parcells, Tony Sperano might have won Coach of the Year in 2008. But there was this perception that Bill Parcells was pulling the string. So uh, that took some of the luster away from Sperano. Anyway, uh, Dolphins wound up a lot of good, solid veterans throughout the offseason. Quarterback was me, and then the Jets acquired Brett Favre, released Chad Pennington. Dolphins pick up Chad Pennington. They unveiled a wild card, go 11-5, and five, win the Wildcat, not wild well, card. Point and sip, because that's what I'm used to the Dolphins getting when they make the playoffs. Did I say that out loud? Sorry. So Dolphins make the playoffs, go 11-5. and five. Unfortunately, they lost in the playoffs. And that's the last time they won the division title. And it's also when the Patriots missed the playoffs despite going 11-5. and five. 
you feel, it feels like as you're giving this history lesson, you're just rubbing air, all all every the salt in the wound. You're just you're just rubbing it. Every bad decision that you made. Yes, I know I lived through all of them. I don't believe you rubbing in the 2004 bad decision or 2003 bad decisions in in Miami's face. You just you just. Dude, when I do the history lesson, I mentioned the highlights and what did I said that was wrong about 2008 that was even negative. Go ahead. Okay. All right. All right. In 2007, they were one and 15. I'm sorry. I should have highlighted the, the overtime win against Baltimore. Yeah, man. That was an impressive game by Greg Camarillo. Yeah, except, and, and maybe, to me, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm weird, but I, I saw like, I mean, the reaction to that win in overtime was like crazy. Like they'd won a playoff game or something. I and, cried. I shed a tear. I shed a me, tear. For me, I was like, so you're not gonna go. You could. You're not going. Go in. Oh, in sixteen. What's that? Big whoop. You're gonna be one in fifteen. I mean, one in fifteen. But you're not the worst in NFL history. The Detroit Lions are. Correct. Which they did the following year in two thousand eight. Yes. So, anyway, but two thousand eight was a very very good season for the Dolphins. Uh, Chad Pennington had a great year at quarterback. The Wildcat uh, was unveiled. That game against the Patriots at Gillette Stadium in, in week three or no, it was week four after the bye was nothing short of brilliant when they unveiled the Wildcat and the, the Patriots. Had hey, to- you didn't talk about the birth of the Wildcat, which was? On the plane with David Lee. Coming off a? Loss, loss of the Arizona to- Cardinals, which I believe was 31 to 10. Let me check my stats here. Started off 0-2. Got that. God damn, you got this tour right. God damn you. I, I was just testing you and I failed. <laughs> it's like... I play stump apart, and he's like, he hits the score. How do you remember a game from a score in 2008, like, without looking it up? I told you, that's what, that's one gift I have is good with memory with numbers and names. And they lost the opener against the Jets, 20 to 14, when they were down to try to pull out a late victory, and Chad Pennington was picked off in the end zone. I believe it might have been by Riva Silo. And what was the score of the final game against the Jets that sealed the AFC East victory? That's easy. Come on. I wouldn't remember any of these, and I covered them. Yeah, and I'll give you another one. And and then even more impressive, the, the game after they beat the Patriots, 38-13, they played the Chargers at home at a time when the Chargers were very good, and they won 17-10. They basically ate the final five and a half minutes. This is a game you would have loved or, or you did love because it was done on the ground at the end of the game protecting the seven-point seven lead. All right, let's move on to the present. Okay. And it's defensive coordinator search. We'll address the uh, conference title games a little bit later. The news today is reports of two candidates coming in to interview. One is Brandon Staley. You can find all the information here on this website, all the yep. candidates for Dolphins defensive coordinator positions. You can find a breakdown of what, what, what the 10 issues that you have to overcome. You can find before you actually get to the starting line of free agency, you can find my column about my need for Mike McDaniel to hire somebody with head coaching experience just so that he can have somebody bounce some of these leadership issues off. Um, Vic Fangio was there, not necessarily certain how much Mike McDaniel felt he could go to Vic Fangio, who really wasn't really talking to him. Um, but it would be certainly be nice if he had a gray beard to his staff, but obviously Mike McDaniel's a big boy. He can he can figure things out if if he doesn't. However, you got my well, point on that column, right? Yeah, I did. But here's here's the thing: 
is the of the two candidates unveiled today. One is Brandon Staley, who does have a coaching experience, not not highly successful head coaching experience, particularly when he was in charge of the defense, and it never ranked higher than 20th uh, in his three seasons as Chargers head coach, and this year they fell to 28th. Um, but he did oversee the number one defense in the NFL in 2020 when he was with the Rams, where one of his two-star players was Jalen Ramsey. And if you're wondering if there what connection with Mike McDaniel, well, they share the same agent, Richmond Flowers. The and, other and they're same, they're same with this, they're part of the same pack of young, hot, flashy coaches that they hang out with each other in the summer, and that it's the new, you know. It's the it's it's the rat pack. He's they're they're all part of the, the coaching rat pack together. The rat you, pack. You get my you, I do get you don't remember do you know what the rat pack is? I I kinda know it's like old guys, Sammy Davis Jr. and no, I can that was the rat pack. The rat pack was for young actors who started in a lot of movies together, like Judd Nelson. I don't know who else was in it. Uh Emilio Estevez, the time of the Breakfast Club and St. Amos Fire, that type of thing. Okay. The other candidate comes from the Buffalo Bills. He's a linebacker's coach. His name is Bobby Babich. And this is a cool story. He joined the Bills staff with his father in 2017. Mm. His father was a longtime NFL assistant. Mm. Bobby Legacy. Babich, a coach at FIU, mm. my alma mater in 2016, joins the Bills in 2017 with his father. His father retires at the end of the 2021 season. He had been coaching the linebackers. And his son, who had been coaching Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde as the safeties coach, moves over to take over the linebackers, replacing his father. And some of the kind of work I reached out to my buddy in Buffalo says they praise his teaching ability to the nth. Um, Matt Milano was with an all-pro in 2022. And then this year, Terrell Bernard, I mean, his game like shot up big time under Babich's tutelage. But he's got no no head coaching experience, no DC experience. Mm. Did, however, coach with Mike McDaniel one year with the Cleveland Browns in 2014. Oh, wow. They go back together. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, he certainly had opportunities to add him to his staff previously before this but maybe this is an elevation of uh stature um also we should mention that anthony campanelli and um and ronaldo hill are realistic candidates and i personally have no lead dog in this race i i, I will say if i had to choose from the names that we know of at this present moment staley would be at the head of the pack for me from the standpoint one, he's already got history with Jalen Ramsey, would put off this cryptic tweet about success and timing and yeah, correct. Um and 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 come on, Ram Ramsey doesn't tweet accidentally. Um, and as I've always said, Ramsey pro pretty much can if he has something to say or has a message to share, he'll share it on his own. And he did that. He's to quote, situations matter. I've seen people thrive in some situations and not in others. I've seen people not be in the right situations and even succeed. And I've seen people who succeed over expectations because of good situations. People change, people grow, et cetera. 
it's it's a bigger picture. I'm assuming that's about Staley. Just one one would think, right? Yeah, I, and um, I know Jalen Ramsey was not a big fan of Big Fangio. Not that I want to speak for Jalen Ramsey because I I do not have the credentials or you have, you have one minute. What do you What do you mean? I have one, you minute. one minute to speak for him. Uh, oh, <laughs> see what I did there? That's an inside joke. I see what you did there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do not have the credentials to speak for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey could be speak for himself. Obviously, the fact that he didn't say anything about Vic Fangio um, should speak for it for him. Um, and I mean, what was he, what's he going to say though? He's gonna, I mean, he's going to say good. Nice knowing you, old man. Really? Uh, he could kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, did that strike you as being appropriate, though? Did J- Javon Holland kick rocks? Um, you know what? It it I don't. I'm not bothered by it because it's this new next generation of players, and that's and they have a say. They have a voice, and you know what? He's kind of helped set the narrative. I know my story was up, I think, before he kicked rocks. But, you know, the players want you to know, hey, we're not taking a loss here. We're actually thankful that he's gone. And they are. They they are. Okay, and again, maybe this is my old man syndrome kicking in. But, I mean, again, do you need to, like, do you need to rag on the guy on his way out the door? I mean, he's gone. No, but because you're you're trying to paint your you don't understand this generational man. You're trying to paint your picture, this your man. narrative, because it's way more important than their narrative. You understand? Oh, yeah, but what's Javon Holland's narrative other than saying good riddance? When first of all, Fangio did nothing but praise Javon Holland at every turn. He did. He did. He and did. What beef would Javon Holland have had with with Vic Fangio? Uh, the same beef a lot of players that had with Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was not very popular. I know, I know. I know. And if they felt like he was a hindrance to what they achieved, and they do feel like he was a hindrance to what they achieved, who are we to judge them or judge how they want to voice their displeasure or sentiment that he's gone what i think javon holland as a leader of that unit and probably as you wouldn't argue he's a top five most influential player on that team would you probably that that neighborhood okay i think what the sentiment he's saying is we're not taking a loss we're actually making a change that we think is going to help us improve because if he hadn't said something this fan base as you know with a belly ached and cried and whined about, oh my God, we can't keep even a good defensive coordinator here. Oh, look, nobody That's wants to work anyway. for us. That's huh? out there anyway. What do you say? That's it, it, out there it, anyway. Okay, it's out there. And this generation's player will tell you what they think in the creative social media aspect way of kicking rocks. He didn't say anything. He literally just woke up on his social media account and decided he wanted to kick a rock and share that with the world. Yeah. Yeah. And your old man, curmudgeonous Vic Fangio ways, you're turning your nose up at it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, let's not pretend that he's not saying, oh, bye-bye, Vic. Bye-bye. Don't let the door I mean, but, but if he hadn't said it, well, if he hadn't said it, and I know I wrote my story, and, you know, th- th- whatever. I'm not taking credit for it because, like – if he had not had said it, what would the Dolphins and national narrative have been? Would it be that much different than what it is now? Because the, the narrative is, the narrative is, it's a couple of things. Is number one, hmm, leaves the Dolphins, signs with the Eagles immediately. What's up with that? Tampering, uh, which you know. Well, in, but it goes back, back to January, to last January. I mean, huh? when he, said, he wanted to be in Philly all along. I mean, it goes back to that. Um, and Mike Florio came up with the th- same theory that I had, that basically Fangio gave the Dolphins his word, accepted, verbally accepted the job. Gannon leaves, and Fangio was like, mm, that's Don't the job be- I wanted. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he came – when we asked him about it in a press conference where they forced him to talk at the end of OTAs, and he was yeah. like, I don't want to talk. If I talk, you might not like what I say. And literally, he basically said, yeah, there's some truth to the fact that yeah, I didn't yeah, want yeah. to be in Philadelphia and I didn't want to be here. Well, then he came up with the, the 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 whole thing of like if it or the story came out that he didn't wind up in Philly because of the timing. Well, the timing now now makes sense that it was basically had he known that Gannon was going to leave, he wouldn't have said yes to the Dolphins. Uh, but that's another one. And another one is what's up with all the turnaround, the turnover at DC. It's going to be three and three years for McDaniel. And then this was this was a gripe that I know some people had about Flor- Flores and building an offensive staff. Well, it's going to be three DCs in three years from McDaniel. Who, who is some people? Who Who is some people? Okay, listen. While I hear that, the first defensive coordinator, and I addressed it when it happened, was forced on him. And I didn't like that or respect that at all. You, you don't hire me and then force me to take on somebody and say, this is what you're going to have to do, deal with it, and make it work. Like – if you hire me to do a job, at least let me pick some of the gro- at least let me pick the groceries. And that was not the case. No, that's fair. That's fair. And and correct. And, and, and then the guy that I wanted to hire, then the guy that I wanted to hire, I finally do get to hire. He comes here, and we don't necessarily hit it off, which happens. But it's not just about me because I probably could have tolerated this for another season or two. It was really about the players who more so basically said some of them, very high-profile guys, it's either him or me. And what do you do if you're Mike McDaniel? Well, and then and then you have also a coach who wants to leave. And and then you're also yeah. and then you're also from a a managerial standpoint, getting rid of of, of his very high contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is what it is. And, and we are where we are. Mike McDaniel has to hire his third third defensive coordinator. It's not like he's he's hiring three because the last guy sucked. The last no. guy didn't suck. It was a top 10 unit despite all the injuries that they received. Lot Tons of growing pains. Maybe with Staley, you can continue to build on that. 
What I don't necessarily like about Staley is the fact that, and, and this is, I don't know much about Staley other than what he did as a head coach. I don't know his resume as a defensive coordinator, but what I do had, know. Only had one year, only had one year as a DC. Yeah. What and I do know is the shade that Vic Fangio threw his direction um, as, an, as an understudy. He was a Vic Fangio understudy. He's running the Vic Fangio defense. And Big Shades him like, oh, boy, well, he moved up really fast in this game. Um, but basically, he can't do what I do, which. Yeah, and, and the background, for those who might not be aware, is Staley coached the outside linebackers when Fangio was the D.C. in Chicago in 2017-2018. Fangio gets the head coaching job in Denver, brings Staley along as outside linebackers coach. Yes, outside linebackers coach again for one year. Staley gets hired by the Rams as DC in 2020. Rams with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey are the two main guys on defense. They're number one in the NFL in yards allowed, points allowed, pass defense. And then the Chargers hire Staley to be their head coach in 2021. Uh, and he's in charge of the defense, defensive play caller for those three years. And they are 23rd, 20th, and 28th in total defense. And if you saw, as I wrote on alldolphins.com today, or yeah, it was today, um, ironically, his high point and his low point from a defensive standpoint with the Chargers, both were against the Dolphins. His high point was the 2022 December game. His low point was the 2023 season opener. Um, and based on what we saw of the Chargers defense, I mean, you go like this, and then the only the only solace I would take is that Butch Berry also had a really poor reputation before he came to Miami and, and did a good job with the offensive line. Oh, yeah, that was a hell of a reclamation project right there. I will give you my my if, – if you ask me who what I would like to see as a defensive coordinator would be Sexy Rexy, who I, who I think is a hell of a defensive coach. What do you think you would work personality-wise with Mike? McDaniel? That's the question. That's a question. Is he too big of a personality for Mike McDaniel? That's a question. And there, there have been some who have thrown out the idea of what about Bill Belichick? Well, there are two problems with that. No, no. Well, I'll explain. Let me allow allow me to explain why it doesn't make sense. Is number one, do we really expect expect Bill Belichick to want to work as a DC after 23 years as a head coach, where he's calling all the shots, including personnel? And then number two. Do you think Mike McDaniel or maybe any other coach in the NFL wants to have that dude on his staff? That's the specter of Bill Belichick. The second something goes south and you're going to have your fans going, can him let Belichick call, you know? Listen, one, uh, as I mentioned previously in, in last yesterday's episode, and if you didn't watch the 90 minute live episode we did, where I also address podcast beefs, um, Listen, Belichick has got offset language in his contract. I believe he was at $18 million a year. If he works as a defensive coordinator or a head coach, he's probably going to be working for free. Like, Belichick, go sit, go sit down somewhere. Now, will it make it harder for him to get back in the game? Absolutely. Um, however, what I could tell you is go work one of those broadcasts with Fox or – 
NBC. You really have the personality to, to be in. Hey, listen, at, I, I talked to Mike Florio about that on on uh, the WQM Joe Rose show, and I'll be hosting that on Monday and Tuesday for yeah. those who enjoy. Yeah. yeah, man, I'm 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 doing my thing. I'm working. Radio star. Uh, and um, he, and and Florio pointed out. Do you remember the top hundred players? Um, thing that NBC, uh, not NBC, NFL Network did. He was the shining star of that program because when it when it's talking about things that he wants to talk about and you know history and context and opponents and don't act like he didn't do great press conferences about the opposing team. You know he just had no interest in talking about his own team. Well, but what he did about opposing and and. And his coaches show. I always watch his coaches show. Anytime I ever flew into New England, I made it a point of watching his coaches show the, the, the day before because it was very revealing. It truly, truly was very revealing. It would reveal all kinds of stuff about the team that I'm covering, the opponent. And he was good. He was really good. So I think that you telling me that they, he can't do a Sean Payton-esque stint on TV – on doing a program on yeah, in the, Sunday in night the studio, in the studio. I don't think he'd be, I don't think he'd be a good game analyst in the studio. No, show. no, no. In the studio. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. could do a studio job, replace Jimmy Johnson or whatever, whatever one of these guys for one year and elevate his stock and stature as a coach and bring context to the knowledge and history. And you know, when, when you're in that TV booth, you get all, you get sexier uh, as a head coach. Hell, People probably still want Cower to come back and coach because he's, you know, been 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 up there in the TV booth and he still looks like a stud. Yeah, but yeah, except except Bill Cower is probably in his fifties. Belichick's going to be seventy three by the start of the twenty twenty five season. So I, and this is why I wrote on alldolphins.com yesterday that the Falcons hiring Raheem Morris, who by the way we talk about Jalen Ramsey and his and his post Jalen Ramsey's post about Raheem Morris was like. I mean, wow. I mean, almost a declaration of love. Like, that guy's the man. Anybody who's ever known, played for him knows that guy's the dude. Um, but the Falcons hiring Raheem Morris, closing the door on Bill Belichick, and that's the only team with which he interviewed for a head coaching job. To me, I think that might be the end. I, I, I'd be inclined to think, who's hiring a 73-year-old coach who has had what kind of success has he had post-Brady? Mm. One playoff okay. appearance and what? 20, 21, 22, in four years. So um, let's let's get into some of these games. Um, it'll be a while before we know who the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins is. And and there, there are all kinds of other shakeups that are going to happen to the staff. Oh. No. What? Sorry. Don't mean to interrupt, but I should interject here. Uh, per our good friend Cameron Wolf, three offensive assistants will not return. Colby Smith. Mike Judge, Ricardo Allen, assistant special teams coach Brandon Farrell also will not, will not be back in 2024. However, all appearances are that Danny Crossman will be back for a 1924-6 season with the Dolphins as a special teams coordinator. And last thing on the Dolphins DC search, people are mentioning uh, Evero. The current Panthers DC, who is a rising star, he's going to get a lot of demand. While he's currently under contract with the Panthers, our good friend Jordan from the Athletic in LA 
reported that the Panthers blocked him from interviewing for other DC jobs as it was their right because he's under contract. They hired Dave Canales, the former Bucks offensive coordinator, to be their head coach. Now he has to decide if he wants Vero, he's under contract, he's going to keep him, and I don't see why he wouldn't. And if he doesn't want to keep him, there are going to be teams lined up, including the Rams, for whom he worked previously for his services. So Because he, he's been mentioned as another guy who the Dolphins could go after. Um, excellent work. Um, let's get into some of these games. Um, I am going to tell you who I think is going to win. And then I'm sure okay. you can do the same. Um, I do think that this is Lamar season. Um, I, I've had the privilege of meeting the young man uh, during some I Am Athlete work um, back when he was unsigned and nobody wanted him in free agency. And I think this is Lamar's opportunity to give the nation the double middle finger, um, give the entire NFL the double middle finger, um, and let you know that this is my league now. And I think he's going to do it against Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs. And this won't just be Lamar. I think this Ravens team is a complete team. I think they are a well-versed, just full, all-encompassed team. And I, I, I don't see a weakness on that team. And while I could say the same thing about the Chiefs and the, and their wide receivers are stepping up a little, their wide receivers are stepping up a little bit. Yeah, they are. Rasheed Rice is stepping up. Yeah, I mean, all you need is one. All you need is one. Um, and, and especially when you got a Hall of Fame tight end and Travis Kelsey, Kels is playing like, his name is Travis Kels. Yes. Says who? Says his father. That's how you oh, say his really? name. Wow, okay. Yeah, at, at, and Tyreek has said it as well. Like, Thanks. the world has been pronouncing his name wrong, and I'm not sure anybody's going to change how they pronounce his name, but it is what it is. Um once you have once you have a Hall of Fame in their run game, come on, man. That run game is a beast. Pacheco? Pacheco's oh. hurt. Pacheco's hurt. He's questionable. <gasps> okay. Uh, you know how I feel about injuries and how they yeah. impact offensive performances. Well, it wouldn't, and then if you're gonna if we if I must go there, then their left guard Joe Joe Thuney, who's a stud, came over from the Patriots, is out. That's not insignificant. And I also think, I mean. You want to look at Baltimore's season is absolutely incredible. Not just their record. They beat, they played a ton of playoff teams. And their record is like seven and three, I think, against playoff teams, um, including or not including that last one against the Steelers when they were playing their, their subs. Uh, but they they played tough competition. And they rose up against that competition. What they did to the 49ers and the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks late in the season that's impressive stuff. And as you mentioned, there, there's no weakness on that team. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think Baltimore wins. And and their head coach, Harbaugh. Who who can go wrong with a Harbaugh? Um, let, let's get to the other, con- the other conference. Um, I am a believer in the 49ers and how they build teams. I'm a believer in their personnel. I'm also a believer in their quarterback. I don't care what you say. Brock Purdy is the man. And he delivered a fourth quarter victory last week that nobody's giving him credit for. And nobody's giving him credit for it. I didn't hear a single person give him credit for it this week. You're not looking in the right places, my friend. Listen, uh, I do want the Lions to win. I am a Dan Campbell fan. I'm a fan of that coaching staff. I'm a fan of 
I, I used to. I, did you know I used to work in Detroit? Did you Did you know that? I did not know that. I did an internship with the Detroit um, Free Press. Um, okay. It was it was one a very important internship too. Um, first time I had a, a a real professional beat. I covered the WNBA shock, um, and I lived in Detroit. Lived in the heart of downtown Detroit when casinos were being brought up in that city and sports teams were, you know, just doing horrible. So I understand the struggles that that city has had. And I, I really, really, really pull for them be, and, and their success because that's a, that's a hard, hardworking city and they pulled themselves up from the bootstraps and um, they deserve to have success. And I'm, I'm a fan of Dan Campbell. I really, I really am. And you, who anybody. Is who is Who? Who was on the Dolphins beat in 2015 is now rooting for the Lions. I mean, Dan, Dan Campbell was completely awesome. I mean, he was great. Um, I was rooting for him big time to get the gig in 2016. Oh, for the Lions for Miami? Oh, for the absolutely. Absolutely. I was I was like this. Oh man, I hope, man, I hope he gets it. And they wound up giving it to Adam Gase. Um because he, because here's the thing is. Even though, yeah, the game management situation stuff would, could be an issue early on, you knew whoever got him as a head coach was going to play hard. I mean, like crazy. He's a leader of men. It was going to be tough. Yeah, he's a leader of men, and he, and that team is tough. Um, unfortunately, I think, I mean, there were a match where you talk about, like, the, four, the, the Ravens don't have any weaknesses. The 49ers don't. In, in fact, to me, their biggest weakness is <laughs> for a quarterback. Um, I, I, and again – you look at that offense, and Jimmy Garoppolo put up 100 passer ratings consistently with that offense. Dude, where's where they went to the AFC, the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo in 29? Went to the Super Bowl in 2019, uh, and in 2020, 21, I want to say. Um, no, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy ain't no slouch, man. Stop disrespecting Jimmy. Jimmy's no slouch. I said it. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid quarterback. You don't think you don't think that system and playing with those with that talent offensively. Oh, it just makes a hundred rated quarterbacks instant water. Well, why did Trey Lance not look like a hundred rated quarterback? For, first of all, what's his sample size? Don't matter. But dude, he he didn't get much of a you, shot. You say it's an instance at add add quarterback, hundred rated quarterback. Well, you could have a lot of different quarterbacks and they would have that kind of success. That's my point. And I think Brock Purdy is one of those. I don't think Brock Purdy is anything special as a quarterback, even though he had the good the good last drive uh against the Packers last Sunday. Uh, but I think they're 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 too solid all around. Their defense, which has not been quite as dominant this year as it was maybe last year, I still think is gonna give Jared Goff some problems. I am massively hoping for Lions upset. I do think it's going to be chalk with the two number one seeds mm-hmm. winding up in the Super Bowl. Well, I think that covers it. We're both picking the Ravens and the 49ers to make it to the Super Bowl. If we, the outcome is any different, we'll be back Sunday to recap it and give you a uh, look at maybe what the Super Bowl's what we learned from the Super Bowl championship weekend. Um, thank you for watching alldolphins.com, uh, all, well, all Dolphins podcasts. You know how to find our work at alldolphins.com. And you know what the price of it is? It's free. It's for a click.
no subscription, no paywall. You click the story, you read the story. You can find it on social media by ha- by writing in hashtag all dolphins, and you can find all the content that we produced on a daily basis or a weekly basis. We appreciate your support by clicking it and reading it. Um, we appreciate your support by listening to the podcast, by watching the podcast. You know, that's how we support ourselves over here on these streets. Uh, no podcast beefs, no podcast war. Love to all the podcasts. I love, I love. What, wonderful, everybody. You do. You have a great weekend, and we will see you maybe this weekend.